Good. Good morning. Good to be here. Give me a second while I sort myself out. I will explain the, uh, the large jar of pickles shortly. I have your attention now, hey. Um, yeah, I know ordinarily, you know, we would have moments where we would throw minties if we're, if we're talking. Um, no, one, no one warned you that there was a splash zone kind of, a, kind of this week. Oh, wow. What a week. What a week our world has seen, hey. Um, anyone else have to turn the news off this week? Yeah. I'm going to pause before we, we step in and we have a look at... Um, at this value which we're gonna be exploring this morning, looking at disciple making. Um, a friend of mine called me this week. Uh, I help out, I do some Navy chaplaincy and one of my friends who's a Defense Force chaplain, uh, Russian by birth, speaks a bunch of different languages, lives here in Australia, ministers here, um, has traveled extensively through the Ukraine and stuff, called me this week just to connect Complex, you know, the word is too small, isn't it? People who love the Lord in every place that's connected to what's going on at the moment. And it's easy for, for my own heart to become filled with, with fear or concern or, or anxiety. So let's just pause this morning and let's just bring, bring these things to the Lord. Lord Jesus, you... You know all these different things. You know what our world looks like at the moment and you know for every one of us who is here right now, you know the corner of the world that we happen to occupy, the conversations that, that we have been having, the thoughts that have been going through our own minds, the, the emotions and the feelings that have been stirred up in our own hearts. Lord Jesus, would you, by your spirit, please, please meet with us Holy Spirit, please do a work in our own heart. Cause us to lift our eyes up to you. That you are not surprised, but you're also not distant. You're not distant from us. You're not distant from our brothers and sisters. You're not distant from those who, who are in distress and who are suffering. And Holy Spirit, what else could we ask for, but would you come, please? Would you come and interrupt the human condition? Would you interrupt our world? Would you interrupt political leaders? Would you interrupt those who have authority over the way that people move, the way that, that weapons are distributed, the way that our own nation is responding? Lord, would you interrupt us in our conversations? Holy Spirit, would you prompt us in in those moments that we have to lift our eyes up and to look to the Lord. Lord God, where we need peace in our hearts, where we need you to come in and calm us. Holy Spirit, please, please minister peace to us even right now. Please minister your peace to us. That Jesus is enough. Lord, as we open the scriptures, would you speak to us, please? Would you reveal yourself? This is your time and your space. Lord God, please let these be your words more than they are my words, please. 
We ask all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. That's why I brought pickles, because we've got to have a little bit of light-hearted this morning. Um, hello to those of you who are visiting, um, those who are connecting online. It's always awkward talking to a camera. That's okay. Um, I'm sure your lounge room looks great. Uh, we are working towards uh, Vision Sunday. As we heard from Claire this morning, it's coming up. And in the lead up to that, we've been looking at some core values, just a couple of them, because we need to go, actually, if, if we're going to be looking at what this next season of, of life is going to be strategically wrapped up in as a faith community, we need to talk about the DNA stuff first. What, what's kind of going to be going on uh, behind it? You know, we're not just going to be rolling out strategic stuff. We're going to be going, actually, what, what is that an extension of? What is that an expression of? So if I turn my clicker on, we're going to jump in and we're going to have a look at this morning's uh, value, which is this one here. Let's see if this works. Yes, awesome. A church of disciple makers. We have this desire that we are going to be a church of disciple makers. And here is the wording. Um, let me read it off this screen up here. A church of disciple makers, equipped and sent to make disciples in all our spheres of influence, our homes, our workplaces, neighborhoods, schools, online and around the world. Our passion is to help people discover Jesus experience his love and grace and join us as we follow him. Everything we do ultimately serves this aim. What a big statement. Everything we do ultimately serves this aim just as the good shepherd left the 99 to go after the one. We will join with him to do the same. We are one. We pray that when we go, God will do the impossible. Now, where has this come from? Like, this is a bold statement. This is a big idea. Well, thankfully, uh, it doesn't begin with us. It actually begins with Jesus. And if you have a Bible, feel free to open it up. I mean, we've got the words up here as well. We're going to lean into this scripture a little bit this morning and, and look at a few other things and talk about pickles at some point. In Matthew 28, this is right at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, and he is passing the baton to his disciples, his immediate followers, the 11, because Judas did not end well. Jesus actually did not have a 100% strike rate. The 11 are there, and Jesus is about to conclude his earthly ministry. This, this fulcrum point plays out, and this is what it says. Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Even amongst those, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a statement of exclusivity. Jesus is not one God among many. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, depending on your translation 
And depending on how much you've had a look at this passage of scripture before, there, there are some things that look a little bit different or there, there are some shifting emphases. So you may not know this, but there's a bit of a debate about whether or not the word go should be translated as as you are going. Because the, the main purpose of this statement Jesus makes is disciple. In this verse, disciple is not used as a, as a noun. It's used as an adjective. It's an action. Hey, disciple nations as you are going or along the way. There, there's still this element of, you know, we have to be active. We're, we're doing this. We're not just sitting still. It's interesting as well that in this verse, Jesus does not say disciple people from every different ethnic group. That is actually not the way that the words are set up. It's a little bit odd in, in the NIV, in the English translation, but it's actually disciple nations. The word that's used is, is ethnos. I looked it up because I'm like, I need to be sure. It's literally disciple nations. Not just disciple individuals, disciple nations. And then when Jesus says baptizing them, he's not talking about just baptizing individuals, he's actually saying baptizing nations. The them is the nations. This is a big idea. And I had never thought about it this way before, but you know, the more we dig into this, we go, oh, actually, yeah, this, this, is, this is huge. This is actually a bigger idea around the Great Commission than maybe some of us have carried before. And then after this, after you have been discipling them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, then it says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So what are we doing? We're discipling, we're baptizing, and we're teaching. It's interesting. When I think about discipleship, often my thinking goes straight away to, to this kind of environment where there's a talking head at the front of the room and it's like a teaching space. And depending on your experience of church or, or if you're, you're new to, to kind of these sort of church gatherings, often it looks like what we do is teaching and we go, is, is that the sum total of discipling. You know, if we're going to disciple people, do we need to go out into the world and then kidnap them and then bring them in here to one of these gatherings where some teaching can happen? Is that the sum total of discipling? So we're going to ask this question, um, what is a disciple? This word only really turns up a handful of times in the New Testament. It is a conspicuously small usage word in the Bible, but Jesus uses this word as the instruction that he gives his followers to bring someone into the way of Christ, to bring someone into the way of God. This is, this is what he leaves them to do. He's given them some more specifics and some, some metaphorical stuff uh, around you know, washing people's feet and talking to Peter on a beach and saying, feed my sheep and, and some of these sorts of things. But then he uses this very deliberate word, disciple. So right now, we're going to ask this question, how does Jesus make disciples? We see 11 of them make it to the finish line, which is really the starting line, we find out. How does Jesus make disciples? I'm going to give you two minutes to talk to some people near you. All the introverts in the room are freaking out. That's okay. If you don't want to talk to anyone, open your Bible and just, just study intently. That's okay. But for, for those of us who are a bit more comfortable, 
let's have a look at these things. I've put a few different stories up here about what we see Jesus do just for ideas. You can pick a different one. But let's ask this question, how does Jesus make disciples? And let's think about the location. Where is he when this happens? Uh, what tools does he use? You know, what's the activity that we see play out? And what's the timing? How long does it take? Or, or is it a particular time of day or, or a feast or, or something? So I'm going to give you two minutes and your time starts now. You've got about 20 seconds left, so you need to finish the thought that you are on. All right. That's good. I, I, can, I can hear we're drifting back to an awed hush. It's cool. Okay. Now, I, I know this is a little bit different this morning. But again, I'm, I'm hoping that, that if we're a bit conversational, if we're talking to each other, that it can help us to really kind of lay hold of this. Is there, is there anyone who is brave enough to, to kind of call out something here? How does Jesus make disciples? Let's, let's look about this. What locations got mentioned? Anyone want to call out a location? Well. At a well. Absolutely. It's kind of cheating. At a well, what, what were some other locations that came out? Anywhere that he happened to meet them. Is that, was that other people's observation as well? Yeah, okay. What tools did Jesus use? Food, words, conversation. Sorry. My hearing is actually really bad. Circumstance. All right, and let's talk about timing. Is there a particular, particular time uh, sort of device or mechanism that Jesus uses here? Uh, does he do it quickly or does it take a while? Sometimes both. Uh, is there a particular time of the day that Jesus makes disciples? Lunchtime. Fantastic. Let's... let's kind of hone some of our thinking and our discussion down a little bit. If you had to summarize the way that Jesus makes disciples using one word, 
where that, that one word sort of describes the, the essence of this. Because to disciple, if this is an activity, if this is a, a way, if this is a methodology, how would we summarize or, or conceptualize Jesus' methodology? Is, is there a word where you're going, actually, it really, it's, it's this. Is there a word that sticks in your brain? You are allowed to yell out this morning. Love, life, follow. Whoa, what was it? Pragmatic. Someone from this side of the room. Relationship, opportunity. Sorry? Normal. All right, here are some other ones. Let's add these into the mix as well. Simple, relational. Uh, someone who I chatted with said, not formulaic, there's no formula. Vulnerable, emotional, unfiltered, collaborative, active. What an interesting thought. How would we describe the way Jesus makes disciples? If we are saying that we want this to be part of our DNA, that we are going to be disciple-making, we, we want that to be at the, at the heart of our community, a conditioning factor. Everything that we do is geared towards that. Then the words that we've just used are very interesting words. If, if that is the way Jesus makes disciples, and if that's going to be the way we make disciples, these words, these words are kind of scary words. Let me share with you an idea. When we see Jesus make disciples, this is a painting called The Incredulity of St. Thomas. It's by Caravaggio. I love this because it's so awkward. Have you ever thought about this, this moment from the New Testament where, you know, where Thomas has, has doubted Jesus' resurrection? Jesus turns up and he's going, okay, cool, come, come here, do this. There's, there's no distance between Jesus and Thomas and where he is at and his emotions and his thinking, the word, the word that, that I found myself coming back to as, as I sat with this was this word immersion that, or, or proximity, nearness. How does Jesus make disciples? He, he immerses them into his everyday normal life. Wherever he goes, they go. Whatever he eats, they eat. Wherever he sleeps, they sleep. And after three years, what have they been immersed in? They've seen him get angry. They've seen him be so tired that he falls asleep. They've seen him verbally insult religious leaders. They've seen him frustrate his, his mother and his brothers. They have seen him weep over Jerusalem. They have seen him cut to the heart when Lazarus has died. They have seen all of this stuff and he's involved them. Like with the feeding of the 5,000, he says, hey, what are, what are we going to feed them? You feed them. They have been actively immersed in his everyday normal life. It just so happens that his everyday normal life is fueled by the Spirit of God. The scriptures tell us in Philippians that Jesus emptied himself and was filled with the Spirit. And that's why if we are filled with the Spirit, we can do the things Jesus did. That's why Jesus says, more things than what I've done, you will do. Greater things than what I've done, you will do. 
How does Jesus make disciples? He immerses them in the everyday, ordinary stuff of his life as the Holy Spirit navigates. Now, this is tremendously helpful for me because when I think of, um, of this word immersion and then I start to think of other parts in the scriptures, it, it makes sense of things. Just before Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane in John chapter 17, it records what we call the, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And one section of it uh, says this, as Jesus is praying to God the Father and as his disciples are listening in, Jesus says this, my prayer is not for them alone, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus is praying for, for you and me, by the way that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Are you hearing the language of immersion here? The language of, of being so connected where am I up to? So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. What is the desire of Jesus is that we would be in him and he would be in us. We see this play out. What I love about this is it's not complex. This is a really simple idea. Tremendously confronting, yes. But this is a really simple idea. Almost any church building or, or facility I've ever visited or worked in has had a cassette library. Now a cassette, li anyone here know what a cassette is? <laughs> I saw a thing recently where they had a cassette and they had a pencil and they said, if you're old enough to know the relationship between these two objects, I took that tangent for a reason, I'm just trying to get my brain to come back. A cassette library, um, whenever I've gone into another church building, it fills me with a sense of nostalgia and dread. Because the fact that all of those cassettes are sitting there on the shelf has this implication that they are there for someone. Someone has to use that resource at some point. Every church building has got cupboards full of resources, full of tools, full of courses, full of books, full of materials. And sometimes if, if we think about discipleship and our mind goes to those things first, instead of going to the methodology of Jesus, then we're actually putting the cart before the horse. Do we need good ways of journeying together and some resources that help us ask good questions? Yes, this is why it's plumbed into the life of this church, we're gonna do the Alpha course. Awesome, that's a, that's a good resource, but we don't put the cart before the horse. We're talking about a value this morning, about part of our DNA, that we need to be people who want to be immersed in the life of God. If I wanna be a disciple, I need to live a life 
where I am immersed in the life of God and the Holy Spirit is immersed in me. But then we give what we have received. This is about to get personal. I need, if I am walking in the way of Jesus then, to allow others to be immersed in my life. If you, if you and I want to actually make disciples, we need to give what we have received. If I am walking and wanting to be immersed in the life of Jesus, but then when I look at other people around me, I go, I'm gonna run a course for them, but actually deep in my heart, I'm gonna try and keep them at arm's distance because I don't want them in my life. Whether I like it or not, I am not giving what I have received. This doesn't mean I have to include 500 people in, right immediately in my life. But I should be able to look somewhere and go, here is where my heart is open. Jesus works with 11 people. Maybe that's the cap. Interesting thought. This idea is not new in Scripture to the New Testament, by the way. This idea of being immersed in God and that being the way that our existence is fashioned and shaped. Right at the very beginning, we see that God creates the relationship with humanity that he wants. That's what's illustrated to us right at the start of Genesis. And it is not a relationship where humanity is at arm's length from God. It is intimate, it is personal. The scriptures talk about the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The promise of the Holy Spirit coming with redemption and the sacrifice of Christ, us having our sins uh, paid for and atoned for, is the Holy Spirit can move back inside now. Immersion is restored. The promise of the new creation is that the throne of God will be on the earth amongst the people of God. These, these are all things that point back to this thing. God actually wants us to be in him and for him to be in us. Before it was ever a plan, before it was ever a strategy, it was an intent. It was an intent in the heart of God. Let's talk about pickles. Anyone here actually like pickles, by the way? Okay, all right, we can pass this round uh, later. I'll ask some questions, actually, and if you call out the right answer, um, maybe, maybe not. All right, I, I have cucumbers. Anyone here actually like cucumbers? Yeah, okay. Maybe I, I need conversion or something. Um, I live a life of cucumber obligation, uh, but it's not love. There was a guy by the name of Demeter, and I think it's around about 400 years before the time of Christ, he writes a pickle recipe. And this pickle recipe has caused huge arguments amongst theologians and people who study the Bible. Because this is true, he, because he talks about how you turn a cucumber into a I don't want to touch one of these, but okay. It's all right, we're allowed to have some fun. So apparently, Apparently we're getting the carpet cleaned. Sorry. I'll, I'll stand on the steps, that might make it better or worse. Okay, it's dripping, that's fine. How do you turn a cucumber into a pickle? So um, this guy writes that what you do first in order to prepare the cucumber is you, um, you immerse it in boiling or scalding hot water, which I think we use the word blanching 
for something. I've never done it. Apparently, it's a thing. I blanch my instant coffee. And, but then, is it, is it a pickle yet? No. Because then it needs to get um, immersed over a prolonged period in something that is then going to soak into it, something that is then going to permeate it. Okay, we're washing that as well. And you, you put it in like a brine solution, or you put it in something that is, that is a vinegar. Now, can you put the cucumber straight into the vinegar? Um, yes, you can, but it's, it's not going to work as well. So this is the recipe that this guy, uh, Demeter, writes. And there's some consternation because, you know, he's writing in a poetic form and he adjusts the words that he's using. But what he says is that you take, you take the cucumber and you bapto the cucumber. And then after it has had a bapto experience, then what you do is you baptize the cucumber. That is the, one of the oldest references that we have to the usage of the word baptism. That it is the long, longitudinal immersing of a cucumber in vinegar. Now, this is an interesting thought when we come to this idea of being immersed in God. I hope vinegar is good for the skin. Sometimes when we go, oh, cool, um, we, we want to be a disciple-making church or, or we're going to make disciples, is what we reach for is a one-off, powerful encounter that people need to have. Sometimes we think about that. I've, I've thought about that of going, oh, that person, you know what, I just need to get them to church and, and the, the, the Holy Spirit's going to, thank you very much, and the Holy Spirit is, is just going to go to town on them and, you know, they'll be cut to the heart with, with the majesty of God and, you know, and then everything will be done and then it's fine, they're a disciple of Jesus now. That is not the methodology of Jesus. That is not how Jesus makes disciples. And as we read before at the end of Matthew 28, Jesus says, disciple nations, baptizing them. This is a big idea. What does it look like for us to go, you know what, I'm, I'm prepared for other people to be immersed in the normal stuff of my life. Just like Jesus makes disciples, I'm going to have people immersed in the normal of my life as the Holy Spirit deals with my stuff. And you know what, if Jesus gets sleepy and, and he has a, a, a kip in a boat, if he gets frustrated and calls religious leaders names, if he goes through the temple with a whip, um, if he cries, you know what, then maybe other people can become disciples with me being equally authentic as I journey through stuff. Disciple nations. What does it look like for us to disciple nations? What would it look like for Melbourne? What would it look like for Australia to find the life of Christ soaking into it? longitudinally. What a big idea. We can, we can use resources to help us, but fundamentally, I believe if we are going to be people of God who disciple others, who, who are responsible then for baptizing them, for teaching them to obey everything that God has commanded them, then something in here, it begins just the same as it began in the heart of God with the decision to, to create humanity so humanity could enjoy relationship with God, it begins with a decision for us. Am, am I, am I going to activate 
this? Am I going to open the gates, let the drawbridge down? Am I going to choose to open my heart to others? Because everything else, we can work together and we can kind of sort that out, but only each one of us is in charge of our own heart and our own willingness to go, okay, I am now going to do this. A couple of years ago, I had the chance to visit a country on the other side of the world, and I was sitting, um, I was sitting under a tree, chatting with a man who, um, who was in charge of a, a big discipleship um, kind of framework that was kind of unfolding. Marvelous fruit. Um, the number of people who were following Jesus was multiplying. It wasn't just being added to, it was multiplying every year. Extraordinary work going on. Um, the hungry were being fed, the needy were being adopted and clothed and healed and restored. And as I sat under this tree, part of the conversation that had happened was that in my country, in Australia, Christianity has shrunk for 70 years. We have successfully shrunk the church in Australia for 70 years. The way that we have made disciples has not been effective. Whether we like it or not, we kind of have to look at the fruit and go, okay, something's wrong. So here I was sitting on, on a plastic stacker chair under a tree, and I said to this man, please let, please let me learn from you. Please teach me what you are doing. What, what's going on here? What are you doing that's so different? What, are, what have you stopped doing? And he told me the story about how he, he grew up in this country and he traveled overseas, he studied theology, he came back, and he realized that all of their training stuff for, for wanting people to be equipped was full of, was full of Latin. And that was a wake-up call that they went, we've got to do things differently. And he said, Bob, fundamentally, he said, I observe that in the West, you think the good news about Jesus is complex. And it's not. If we have 100 people who put their hand up to serve the Lord with whatever capacity they have, we bless 100 and we send 100 knowing there will be mess, knowing there will be dysfunction, knowing people won't get stuff right, knowing it, it, there'll be moments of hard, but we trust the Lord to navigate. Bob, in Australia, if 100 people put their hand up to serve the Lord, you whittle it down until you have the five with the best memory, and then you send five. It was a confronting conversation. So if this is our value, if this is something that we are going to earn, going to earn, goodness sakes, going to own, this value of we want to be a disciple-making church family, before we reach for any mechanism, before we reach for any resource, we need to come back to the way of Jesus. We need to come back to Jesus' methodology. We need to come back to looking actually at how he did this and going, Lord, teach us. Lord Jesus, let us learn from you. Lord Jesus, we need to invite that kind of conviction sometimes of going, Lord, I want to abide in your love. Lord God, I, I so look forward to being present with you where you are and that sense of adventure 
But Lord, when I've been thinking about making disciples, my mind goes straight to complexity or I feel like keeping people at a distance or Lord, I end up feeling like I'm obligated to do it and actually that's not much fun. Something's out of order. So we're gonna do something. Because we can talk about this sort of stuff and it can be flowery and we can use great, great examples. But if nothing changes, then nothing changes. So I'm going to do something and I invite you to do it with me. Um, I'd like you to get your phone out, please. If you have one with you, I would like you to get your phone out. Now, you, you don't have to follow through on this, but I invite you to. Right now, as we are leading up towards Vision Sunday, as we are letting these values uh, about the priesthood of all believers, uh, about disciple making, as, as we are letting these things sink into us, we get to check our heart and go, actually, where am I at right now with this? And this morning, if, if in your heart, as we've been going through this, if you are in that green light space, if you're going, actually, I'm, I'm already in the thick of it, I'm already doing this, but yeah, I'd love to connect with others or I could do with some coaching or some encouragement. If you're going, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I wanna do this. I feel like I don't have much capacity, but I'll bring what I have. If you're in that green space, I would invite you to either email or text the word green and hopefully your name because if we're on this journey as a church, we need to connect and to go, cool, if we got a whole bunch of people who are in the green space, let's, let's work with that. Let's connect. Let's, let's start mapping our use of resources. Let's look at co-opting. If you're in an orange space this morning, if you're going, yeah, Bob, I'm not, I'm not on board with, with some of the way that we've looked at this, or going, I've got a bunch of other questions, or going, actually, I would love to be in the green space, but I'm stuck right now. I have no time, I have no energy, I have no capacity, or I'm still healing from something, I'm still hurt from something or I'm feeling chewed up and spat out, or, or I'm feeling like something might cost me too much in this. I wanna be in the green space, but I'm, I'm not there. Then please send the word orange, and ideally name a number so we can connect. So that we can, as a community, sit down and have some of these conversations and go, actually, let's work through this. If we wanna make disciples, if we wanna be in this space, if there's stuff for us to journey through, let's, let's do it. What else are we gonna do? Is there something more important than making disciples that we should move in the direction of? It says in this value that everything that we wanna do as a church community flows back to this, that people meet Jesus. Maybe this morning you're in that red space. As we've looked at this, you've gone, I, I don't want that. I actually don't want that. It's not, I feel like I can't right now. It's not, I have a lot of questions. It's going, I, I don't want that. If you were in that red space, praise God. It is okay, it is good. We love you, you are welcome. It is okay to sit with God and to say, God, I actually, I, I don't want what this looks like. It's wonderful if we're able to be that authentic and honest with the Lord. And God is big enough to hold us in that space. I encourage you, again, if you wanna text it through, do, but at the very least, 
sit with that and the Lord. And you go, Lord, I'm red right now. How do I feel about being red right now? Years ago, when I was at Bible college, I remember sitting down as I felt the Lord doing something in my heart over a period of time and and the people I've been journeying with, and I sat down and I said, Lord, you are lighting me like a stubborn flame. I was young and poetic at the time. But it was was this thing of going, I, I ended up needing to write it out. And I wrote out things like, Lord, I, I really don't want other people's dysfunction in my life. You know, other, other, other people are messy. You know, other people have complexities. Other, other people, have, you know, other people have got issues. You can probably gauge how young I was at the time. But I, I knew that that could become something else if I brought it to the Lord and just sat with it. To actually bring to the Lord our our true condition, our, our authenticity, and to say, Lord, would you do something even with this? So this morning, as we sit with this value, as this percolates with us uh, in the lead up to, to Vision Sunday, we can take a step forward. Green, orange, or red, we can take a step forward. I'm gonna wrap up and pray. Uh, if you want... Uh, a cucumber or a pickle. These might stay here while the musos come up um, because I'm afraid to move it. (laughs) But we're going to pray and we're just going to ask the Lord to do something in our hearts. We're going to do something practical. We're going to write something down and send it, but we're going to ask the Lord now to come and meet us where we are. Lord Jesus, we want to be immersed in you. Lord God, we need your peace. As we've already prayed this morning, we need your love. We need your comfort. We need your healing. We need your restoration. We need you to tell us who we are. You need to remind us of our value and that we are loved. Lord God, we need to be immersed in you and for you to be in us. But Lord, this this implication that to be disciple makers, we give what we have received. We extend what you have ministered to us, that other people are allowed to be immersed in our normal life in in some way or shape. Lord God, please meet us as we think about that. Lord God, if, if, if some of us here this morning, as we sit here, if the voice going on in our head is, is that's the last thing people need is, is to come into my life. Holy Spirit, speak and let your voice be louder. Lord God, if, if as we are sitting here, what we're feeling is apprehension and, and fear that we're gonna lose something or, or that it's all only gonna lean on us, holy, holy God, please meet us, minister to us, remind us that you are God and you invite us into this adventure with you. That you promised a bruised reed you would not break, a smoldering wick you would not snuff out, that if we are feeling fragile, that you are not gonna damage us. Lord God, please meet with us. Holy Spirit, please minister to us as we let this this value, which is so precious to you, 
so much part of how you, you did everything as this soaks into us. Come, Holy Spirit. Transform us. Meet with us. Help us to be the people of God, immersed in you, and then immersing others. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.